Let us pray. Father God, we come before you, and Lord, I ask yet again as I speak here that it be you and not I, that you pour out your spirit into this place. Anoint my lips and prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. As we open the scriptures, and today we look at yet another parable, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit, for wisdom, clarity, and understanding. May you bless us and keep us right now. It is my prayer in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Let everyone here say, Amen. So the parable today is coming from Luke chapter 13, and I want to tell you something. Just as in prophecy, remember when we talked about uh, prophecy before, a couple of years ago, we did a series, and and we talked about how sometimes you have two prophecies that are telling the same story from different angles. You have a similar thing with some of the parables. Remember when we talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin, and you sort of get a different feel. Well, today is no different. Today, this parable uh, that we're going to address, we're going to read a couple of verses leading uh, up to the parable as to why Jesus mentioned the parable to begin with. But this parable is probably a little bit closer to the parable of the wheat and the tares in the sense that it paints an image of a church that many of us may not be happy with. If you remember when I preached on the parable of the wheat and the tares a couple of months ago, I shared with you in the parable how the Lord, you know, he was talking about he's planting good seed. The enemy comes at night and he plants bad seed. But when the the servants were like, well, you know what? There's these people right here sitting with us, hanging out with us that are definitely not wheat. Should we rip them out now? He's like, no, 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 chill, relax. Why? Because if you yank them out now, you might pull out the wheats with it as well. So you're going to have to wait, wait until they all grow, and at the end, at the end, when everything is grown, everything is cut up, the tares on one side, the wheat in the other, some are stored for good, other ones they are dried out and then burned up and so forth. Remember that? So the idea that in the church, We're going to have people who are God's children, and then we're going to have people who are not God's children, or the idea that we're going to have people who are sincere followers of Christ and other ones who are not. That is weird for many of us. We think that as a sanctuary, a holy place, we must stand at the door and be a gatekeeper. You're good. You're not. You're good. You're not. In, out, in, out. And that is not how it works. Because you see, one of the things that I mentioned then, and we'll retouch on this today with this uh, sermon title of Let It Slide, is the idea that in the church, you will have this. But it doesn't mean that you have to be the tear yourself. The reason why at the end... It is the master who sends all the angels at the end times to gather up and divide is because the dividing shouldn't be up to you and I because we can't tell. Remember when I shared with you that as a kid, my nickname was Hijo del Diablo, Child of the Devil? If you would have met me 20 years ago, you would have said, "Woo!" If you would have met me a year ago, "Woo!" But guess what? Based on your judgments, half of us, starting with the pastor, will be not allowed in the church. But thank God that the judge, the witness, and the advocate is Jesus. And, of course, the accuser is the devil, which shouldn't be you or I. And so today we're going to visit this yet again. And let's start on Luke 13, beginning on verse 1. It says, 
there were present at that season some who told him, meaning Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Verse 2, and Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Verse 4, or those 18 on the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all of the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Before we start on verse 6, you could put it on the screen if you want, but before we start on verse 6, let me tell you what is happening here with the background, what prompted Jesus to give this story. People... It doesn't happen now, maybe not. Please don't smite me, God, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, you know, but, but back in the day, they used to think that when bad stuff happened to people, it was the Lord punishing them. We've heard it throughout the news. Oh, an earthquake went through this town. Oh, it's because they deserve it. Oh, a, a, a gay club got shot up. Oh, it's because they were living in sin. We're all living in sin one way or another. It doesn't mean that we have to. We can be perfect in Christ if Christ truly lives in us and it is no longer I. But what I'm saying is that punishments happen. Sin has affected this world. Earthquakes and hurricanes, just like the sun shines on the wicked and on the just, if an earthquake goes through here or a hurricane or whatever, good and bad alike, it happens. So back in the day, they were saying, Jesus, so, so, so those Galileans or those people at the tower, I'm assuming... That is because they were bad. And he's like, no. As a matter of fact, unless you guys repent too, you're also going to perish. Understand that this is what's happening. And as a matter of fact, let me tell you in a parable. And that's how he begins on verse 6 of Luke chapter 13. It says, so he spoke, also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit unto it on it and found none. Verse 7. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, now understand this, the guy owns the vineyard, he has this, and he's saying to the keeper, hey, I'm the owner, you're handling this, and this is why he says to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down, why does it use up the ground? I mean, I've been called a waste of space before, I don't know, that's, that's pretty much what, what Jesus was saying to, uh, in the parable here, the man was saying, right? And look what it says, verse 8. But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also. Let it be. Just, just, just let it slide for one more year until I dig around it and fertilize it. Verse 9. And if he bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Do you see what is happening here? Understand that here you have a tree that just wasn't getting it together. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to. And so both the, the owner of the land and the keeper, they care for it. But look, it's right now taking up all this space. We could put something else in there that, that is going to grow and do better. He's like, no, 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 ho, ho. For, let, it, let it be. Just, just let it slide for a moment. Just back up of it. Let me work a little bit harder. If you're saying that this tree has been here for three years, it has been fed, it has been looked after, and it's still not bearing any fruit, let me dig around it, put more fertilizer in it, let me work with it, and let me try harder to see something coming out of it. After that, if it doesn't, then we'll cut it down. But if it does, well, you know. And so here's the beautiful thing in this parable. 
Here's the beautiful thing in this parable. In this parable, not only is there a final result. Look, I'm not here to scare the, the heck out of you literally. We know how things are going to end. We see this in, in, in the book of Revelation. We've seen this throughout Matthew. We've seen this through different parts of scriptures when it's talking about the end times. At the end of the day, the only question that matters in Revelation is whom do you worship? Do you follow the lamb wherever it leads or not? Plain and simple. There's no being Switzerland in between one way or the other, one foot in, one foot out. The idea is you're either in or you're out. You're either for God or not. You're either following the lamb or you're not. And so, here's the image of this. The time is coming to an end. There is going to be trees in the church that bear fruit and trees that do not. The Lord is willing to give everyone as much of a chance as possible. Let me dig around this person. Let me fertilize it a little bit and let me see. At the end of the day, the end is going to be the end. But for right now, more efforts will be put into place. Don't you see in Philippians 1, we are told, we are told that we are all predestined to be adoptions, uh, adopted children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should call children of God, right? Are you familiar with those texts? And so we have all been predestined to be adopted under the wing of God. Here's the reason why. When God created the world, there was supposed to be no death. Brother Newton, tell the missus, I'm sorry, she lost her mama. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Originally, we had a perfect life, a sinless life. We had a life without death, without fears, without thoughts, without sorrow, without, I mean, not thoughts, without, without sorrow or anything like that. It was all meant to be in this manner, right? But because of sin, because of sin, what was God's people were taken from him. Christ died on the cross and paid the ransom. Now, the only reason why we do not inherit the kingdom is if we reject what has been given to us so freely. We are not cursed to be good or bad. We were all meant to be children of the king. Paul says that we were predestined to be adopted children of Jesus. The question is, will you choose your family or not? When we adopted my daughter, Sophia, who I think is in the children's church somewhere, uh, um, when, when we adopted her, the judge asked her, do you young lady, this was just last year, in August we celebrate a year, but they asked her, is, is it your desire to be part of the Suarez family? Yes, ma'am, yes, I do. Let me ask you, is it your desire to be children of the king? If it is, amen. If it is not, he's going to dig around you a bit more. And he's going to put some fertilizer in there and see if maybe that is your desire. Isn't it beautiful that when God gives us the warning of judgment, he also gives us an invitation of mercy? Look, I'm just going to work harder. And if not, okay. If there's truth, yay. And so it is right there in this parable. Luke 9, 56. We have it on the screen. It says, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. And then you have John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be safe. I got to tell you, you see a brother, a sister, a church member, a co-worker, a neighbor, somebody who's not walking with God, it is not about we got to kick him out, we got to let him out, we got to do whatever. It is about loving them more, working harder, because if they still don't get it, if they're still not bearing fruit, wait, 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 don't cut it off just yet. Let me work a little bit harder. You see, 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the folks were constantly asking Jesus for signs about the kingdom. What was it going to be? How is it going to happen? They were making assumptions. They were thinking because they didn't die like those other people that they were perfect. Oh, hurricane stroke over there, not here. I guess we're good. I guess we're perfect. I guess we're saints. But they, it wasn't clicking for them. In Matthew 16, 1 and 3, you see the rebuke here that, the, that Jesus gave to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees came and tested him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Verse 2, he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. Verse 3, and in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know you discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And so he rebuked them because they were seeing all of these things. They didn't recognize it. How many of you notice the faults in your brothers and sisters, but you have failed to recognize that the very fact that you see them with judgment and not compassion is a fault within itself? How many of you fail to see when you look at the world, you look at the newspapers, you open the media, and you see that it is just madness, that the world is really in need of a Savior now more than ever? And yet, you're still living your lives as though you have no care. You're still living your lives as though your life did not depend on it. It messes me up. You know, I, um, years ago, in about 80 pounds ago, I used to do personal training. And I remember people would come to me and say, you know, my doctor says I need to start losing weight. Otherwise, I got to get on medication. I got to do this. You mean you waited until you got right here that it was completely threatening to try to get it together. When prevention is a whole lot better. When if you take time to be healthy now, it is much better. Oh, but I don't have time. Guess what? Your illness will force you to take time. You either take it now to be healthy and prevent an illness, or your illness will force you to take time off so that you could take care of your illness. Take care of your health. Take care of your illness. Which one do you rather? And so here's the thing. In this parable, it's illustrating a vineyard. This parable, when Jesus spoke this parable, he was speaking in a language that they understood. Uh, they, they, he was speaking in a verbiage that they were familiar with. And, and so um, let's go with me to Luke, Luke 13, 2 to 3. Because look, look at what happens here. We just read this earlier. It says, and Jesus answered to them and says, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered for things? Verse 3, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's trying to get them to wake up and realize what is happening. Because they didn't click for, it didn't click for them. Luke 13, 6 and 7. We read this earlier again. And it says, and he also spoke to them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Verse 7. And then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? And so here's the thing. When he used this application, these people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they knew exactly what he was talking about. This verbiage of vineyard and plants and trees and growth, he has been using this all together. It's like if I were to say to some of the guys here from a decade ago, YOLO, you know what that means. You know, it's one of those sayings that became popular that you only live once. So that's expression that you're familiar. Ten more years from now, no one will remember it. Fifty years ago, no one had no idea what I'm talking about. When Jesus talked about the vineyard, he knew exactly what he was saying to them. How do I know? Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and, 
and they're little. Isaiah 5.7. Isaiah 5.7, it says the following. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are, ple are his pleasing plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. Tallahassee, you are the vineyard. Is there righteousness here, or is there oppression? Is there a cry for help? Is there justice or not? When he talked to them about this parable, he was speaking in a language that they were already familiar with. You see, because God has a purpose for his people, and he put it in very beautiful words. Isaiah 6.3. Look what it says. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of his praise for the spirits of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Are you a tree of righteousness for the Lord? Is God glorified in your life? Come on now. You can say amen. Say ouch. God planted in Israel as a goodly vine for the wells of life. Isaiah 5, 1, 2. Look what it says here. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Verse 2. He dug it up and cleared out his stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built it a tower in its midst, and also made wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth what? Wild grapes. The Lord will make every avenue available for you to grow in him. Just because we all fall short of his glory doesn't mean that you have to live your life sinful. Just because I say, you know, and I quote Christ when he says, come as you are. If you have been a 37 generation Adventist and you're just as bad today as you were 50 years ago, there's a problem. The idea is come as you are, but don't stay there. The idea is that we welcome everyone because it is not our job to change people, but it is our job to create the right environment for growth. Lord, don't cut them off yet. Let me dig around. Let me fertilize it. You know, and, so, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yet we're the ones that are eager. Lord, so can I cut them off now? Can I do it now? Can I do it now? Why? It is expected to be in the church. The Bible says that even demons will pose as pastors. This is why I tell you, study the word for yourself. Don't rely on an individual. Don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in God. Come on now. Can't say amen. Say ouch. Christ's Object Lessons, page 215. We should have that up on the screen. It says that God and his son have been seeking fruit and had found none. Israel was a cumber of the ground. Its very existence was a curse, for it filled the place in the vineyard that a fruitful tree might fill. It robbed the world of the blessings that God designed to give. The Israelites had misrepresented God among the nations. They were not merely useless, but a decided hindrance. To a great degree, their religion was misleading and wrought ruin instead of salvation. Do you understand what is happening here? I mentioned it to you before with a credit example. When I went to Kenya a couple of years ago, people had no idea who Christ was. It was so nice to preach Christ. They converted. Hundreds got baptized. I have never had more baptisms ever in evangelistic series than right there in Kenya. But why? Because God didn't exist to them until he was brought to them. 
But here in the state, you know, uh, if you look at credit, uh, no credit is better than bad credit. Here in the U.S., Christ has bad credit. Why? Because of all the Christians who are ready to cut off all of the trees and things that don't please them and beat them up and chop them off, not realizing that if somebody is not connecting with the Savior, You need to work harder to help them grow, to create the right environment, remove the stones from around it, as the other text says. Do what you need to and dig around it and help it grow. If we all did that, oh, what a different world would uh, be. Luke 13, verse 8, it says, But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone. Just let it be. Just let it slide. Don't start cutting people off right away. Just chill. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. The problem is that some of us take this text quite literally and we give fertilizer to people instead of giving them love and, and, and the way that we need to treat them. We shouldn't be doing that. And I saying, oh, pastor, you went there. That's kind of cold. Yes. But I've seen Christians be some of the meanest, nastiest people ever. And it cannot be describing any other way but the opposite of love. And you cannot do that. Christ's Object Lesson 215 continues right up on the screen. It says, the gardener does not refuse to minister to so unpromising a plant. He stands ready to give it still greater care. He will make its surroundings most favorable and will lavish upon every attention. So you have the owner, you have the dresser of the vineyard. They are one and their interest is one in the fig tree. And you have the same thing in the God the Father and God the Son. They're both interested in you. Neither one of them wants you to get cut off. And through the Holy Spirit, they will provide every avenue possible so that you may grow. Because it is not the will of my Father in heaven that anyone, that not one of his little ones should perish. Now here's something to understand about this parable though. We have no idea the conclusion of this parable. Luke 13, verse 9, it says, And if he bears fruit, well, good stuff, right? But if not, after that, you can cut it down. The reason why we have no idea what becomes of this tree is because you are that tree. How long will you come to church, place church, sit down, stand up, sing the song, do your part and everything, And still, you're not allowing God through his spirit in Christ Jesus to create a growth in you so that it is no longer you but Christ that lives. How much longer? I mean, we can make the environment as favorable as possible. And if there's growth and you bear fruit, well... But if not, you know what's going to take place. The story is not over, and it is up to each one of you individually to choose whether or not you would accept the gift of God. Christ Object Lesson 216, we'll have it up on the screen. It says, are you, O careless heart, a fruitless tree in the Lord's vineyard? Shall the words of doom ere long be spoken of you? How long have you received his gifts? How long has he watched and waited for a return of love? Planted his vineyard under the watchful care of the gardener. What privileges are yours? How often has the tender gospel message thrilled your heart? You have taken the name of Christ. You are hourly a member of the church, which is his body. And yet you are conscious of no living connection with the great heart of love. The tide of his life does not flow through you. The sweet graces of his character, the fruits of the spirit are not seen in your life. Page 17 continues. 
The barren tree receives the rain and the sunshine and the gardener's care. It draws nourishment from the soil, but it is unproduct but its unproductive bots only darken the ground, so that fruit bearing plant cannot flourish in its shadow. So God's gifts lavish on you convey no blessing to the world. You are robbing others of privileges that but for you might be theirs. How long? How long? Yes, wheats and tares. We're here until the Lord comes. I get it. But it doesn't mean that you have to be a tear. It doesn't mean that you have to be a fig tree that bears no fruits. How long would these gifts be available to all of you and they just simply go to waste? You know what messes me up the most? You know what messes me up the most? That one of the most talented, most gifted disciples was Judas. And yet it took people like Peter, dumb, hard-headed fishermen that really advanced the work a bit more. You know what messes me up that as a pastor, some of the most gifted individuals are the ones that do the least or have some weird, bizarre theology that is just messing everybody up and they refuse to see the word of God, how it's supposed to be seen. It's like, oh, God, what are you doing? How long are you here before you fully let him in? Come on now. You can't say amen. Say ouch. Hosea 11, verse 8. The Lord is pleading with you. How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zebuin? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is third. Verse 9, I will not execute the fierceness, of the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. Praise God, he's God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. But he's pleading with you. He's calling you by name. How long, Gary? How long, Quran? How long, Joe? Maricelli? How long, Joey? He is pleading with you. Luke 23, 34, it says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Isaiah 5.4, Isaiah 5.4, it says, What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? What more can I have done? The Lord has made it all available to you. And I got to tell you, in this country, we are so spoiled, we don't even realize it. I have seen people in secret trying to meet. I have seen people, when I talk to you guys about the experience in Kenya, you know, that they were battling, going through, through desert fields with wild dogs, you know, hyenas and snakes and stuff, just to make it to church to see uncomfortable in the sun where the average temperature is 145 degrees, and yet they come out there just to listen to the word of God. It averages around 100 to 125 in the winterish months. And, and so, and, but they come. Here, our air conditioning is broken one week. Oh, oh, pastor, I can't take it. You know, and don't get me wrong. I'm one of the first ones whining about the air conditioning. But, but understand that we do have a blessing here. When people hear me, pastor, oh, oh, pastor, you know, it is praise. In other countries, I will be a criminal. In other countries, I will be persecuted. You have the ability to really grow in Christ. Here you got Bibles galore. In other countries, we smuggle them in. When they get it, they cry and they weep when they have their Bibles. Yours, you got like 50, they're collecting dust and you rarely open them. Come on now. What more could have been done to my vineyard 
that I have not done it, done in it. Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? His care and his labor for you are not lessened at all, but they're actually increased. The fact that you're not producing, he works a whole lot harder. Isaiah 27.3, it says the following, I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. You know, my God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He looks out for you both day and night. Luke 13, 9, it says the following. And if he bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. Last section of scripture for today from Hosea 14. This is an invitation from God, and I will tell you, there will be good, bad, and ugly in the church. There will be wheat. There will be tares. There will be fig trees, some bearing fruits and some not. But it does not have to be you. So listen as we read through the next nine verses of Hosea 14. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. You've been coming to the Tallahassee church for such a long time. You've been sitting here. Isn't it time that you fully gave your life to God? Come on, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Verse 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Verse 2. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. 3. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods for in you the fatherless find mercy and i love that and i love that maybe your earthly father was nowhere near your heavenly father maybe you didn't have an earthly father but in you the fatherless find mercy verse 4 i will heal their backsliding anybody backslid here recently Anybody has, has struggled, the Lord invites you. I will heal your backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. Verse 5, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. I mean, Lebanon, mighty forest, strong trees. Verse 6, his branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Verse 7, those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Verse 8, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him, and I am like a, a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Verse 9. Who here in this church in Tallahassee is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. The parable of the fig tree is very simple. Allow Christ to work in you. He's going to make every avenue possible to ensure that you grow. By their fruit, they shall know them. By their fruit. By what fruit? By your fruit. If you're not bearing it, please take an advantage of all that is available to you. There will be a time that you're going to have to rely on scripture memorization, memorization because you may, not, you may not be able to have it handy right away. Or if you're like me and have it on your phone or iPad, your battery may be dead. Nowhere to charge it. So what are you at that point then? You need to take an advantage of every avenue available now. The Lord, 
Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're rooting for you and they will make it all available. Ask and you will receive of it. But understand that the time is at hand. The time is very near and we can see that. There will be a time that there's not much more that he can do for any of us. You either follow the lamb or you do not. You either bear fruit, well, or you do not. So it is up to you, and it is my prayer and my challenge to you, as I, as I invite you to pray with me. It is my challenge and my prayer to you to really search yourself and see whether or not you're gathering all of the resources but spreading none. Are you simply a recipient of the gospel message, or are you spreading the gospel message? It is not about what you take from this world, but it is about what you give. Are you willing to spread the word of God? Can you give something that you don't have? Won't you let him grow in you and work in you and through you for the benefit of all? Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, I come before you. Lord, this is a very simple, plain, pointed message. But Father God, it doesn't make it any less deeper. Lord, I recognize that in church there's going to be trees that, that don't bear fruit. And I recognize that there's going to be tares and there's going to be wheat. But it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be anybody here in the Tally First Church. We could let it be for somebody else. It doesn't have to be us. Lord, you have given every avenue possible. And we know that there's going to be a time that the tree will be cut off because there's no more chance. There's no more choice. And, and it is over. And I get that. But thank you because between now and then, you're going to go the extra mile. You're going above and beyond. If it doesn't connect for us, you will make it even more available for us to learn and grow in you. Father God, if we don't grow, it's because we're simply rejecting you, not accepting you. It's not for a lack of resources, a lack of means, a lack of availability, willingness, or desire on your part, because it is not your will that any of your little ones should perish. Father God, I ask for a, 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 a three-part prayer. Number one, help me not be ready to cut off people just because they don't seem to be bearing fruit on your behalf. Help me let it slide. Let it be. And just work harder, you know, dig around them and throw some fertilizer. And maybe help me uh, work in me so that I can help the advancement of the kingdom and reach out to those individuals who are not willing to bear fruit. Father God, number two, I ask that you be with me and help me recognize if there's any fruit bearing on my part or if I also need growth. And number three, and again, not in any special order, as I grow in fruit, help me continue to spread it with others because after all, that's why we're here. We're here because you gave us the opportunity to not have death but have life. And our job is to let the world know what a mighty God we serve who died for us and is coming back to take us home. So as we do our different parts, let your spirit work in us and through us. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Let everyone here say amen. <laughs>